Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome back into the debut edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. I'm Stephen Igo, the host of the program, and I got a very special guest <laughs> alongside. He is our initial guest on Hoist the Colors. He is head football coach Mike Houston. Coach, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Honored to be here. Honored to yeah. be the initial guest. So I, I feel like we, we've done plenty of interviews. This one right. almost feel like it has a little bit more pressure on us. I don't know. Yeah, maybe like, so. There's a lot, but, uh, lot set up in the studio. Uh, a lot of... This is of, good. Yeah. This is big time. Yeah, man. this is a great setup. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just, uh, and I want to speak for all of East Carolina University and all of our fan base, I'm sure, also, just how much we appreciate you and the coverage you give, uh, you know, our sports teams at East Carolina and how much content you give the fans. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great uh, resource for all of us. Well, I appreciate that. And you guys obviously provide a, a ton of great access for us. And, you look across college sports right now, it's it, it's insane in terms of uh, the transfer portal, NIL, and what schools are allowing, you know, practice access, interview access. And you guys have always been awesome, not only to, to me and Hoist the Colors, but to our entire local media community. I know maybe it took some time to uh, to learn us and, and get to know us, but uh, you, you feel pretty comfortable now at year five, right? Well, I, I think that it's, it's kind of what East Carolina is, right? Uh, you know, it's this is a grassroots uh, university. It's a grassroots football program. You know, we're a big part of the community. The community is a big part of us, and so I think anytime you have a conduit, you know, like yourself and our other media outlets that kind of connects the two, I think it's very important to keep that uh, conduit open. You guys wrapped up spring ball now yeah. about uh, a little less than a month ago, but right. now dealing with. The transfer portal was just closed this weekend, right. and uh, plenty of stuff going on. I, yeah. I, I still, I still say I don't know how you guys do it as coaches uh, this day and age. I mean, well, do you get any sleep? It's changed. Yeah. You know, everything's changed. The whole landscape of uh, of how you how you manage your roster and and just everything is evolving. And I think that's the big big thing is you know you got to make sure you evolve with it. Um, and I think it's, you know, I think that it's, it's caused me to really look at a lot of things that we do and how we do it. And, um, you know, I've just tried to really still keep the focus on uh, the student athletes uh, and always trying to, to help them uh, and, you know, trying to, you know, them being the focal point of our program. And uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, it's something that everybody's dealing with. Uh, and I think, you know, for the most part, we've, uh, it's been a positive for us. Uh, and I think our, our program will continue to uh, evolve uh, in, in a lot of areas uh, with roster management and NIL and, you know, a lot of stuff moving forward. You guys, uh, as, a, as a program, as a coaching staff, when I, when I talk to recruits, when I talk to players, they talk about how straightforward and honest you guys are with the, the roster, the incoming recruits, everybody. So how much does that maybe help in terms of dealing with some of this stuff? I'm sure you still get surprised every now and then, but do you at least – feel like you have a pretty good pulse on hey this might be coming or we're prepared for this well at, at least the kids know you're shooting them straight right and uh and I, I try to do that in every interaction we have and try to do it with recruits uh you know sometimes it hurts you because sometimes you feel like you're a little too honest uh but i'd rather it be that way than the other um you know so it's uh you know we, we try to always make sure that we all and that's the really the thing i impress upon the student athletes too is just be straight you know just make sure that we're all 
we all understand what's going on and, and things like that. But I think that's, that's the way everybody wants to be dealt with. Um, that's not the reality for a lot of, uh, you know, programs and the way they operate. And, you know, that really helps us with a lot of uh, recruits and transfers because they've been through that. Uh, and so they find it refreshing when they, when they have somebody that actually, you know, is straight with them. We're visiting with head coach Mike Houston on the debut episode of Hoist the Colors. Uh, coach, when you look at Transfer Portal right now, I mean, it's just, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I like they at least in, invoked a window for uh, guys to yeah. enter. So at least that calms it a little bit, although the rush towards the end seems to get a little right. chaotic right now. But what needs to be done with the transfer portal and specifically with NIO? Like everybody knows, I think at this point, that some form of tampering kind of goes on. Right. Is there a way to stop it? I, th- I think the NCAA has to put regulations in place, and then they have to enforce whatever regulations there are. And I think that's the issue right now. You know, with NIL, there's basically no rules, uh, and with the tampering, there's no enforcement. And so, uh, you know, if there's you got a speed limit sign out there, if there's no you know police, state troopers policing that. And we knew that nobody's ever going to, you know, ticket you for going over the speed limit. You'd you'd have a lot of speeding going on, and that's basically what's going on right now with college college athletics and particularly football. Uh, is there's there's no regulations in place, and there's absolutely no enforcement of the rules that are in place. I've seen some coaches say there should be a salary cap based off NIL. Do you feel like that's inevitable, or is that coming at some point, or is it too too tough to? try and forecast i don't know because you have you know every institution has different resources and uh you know our institution has you know our our set amount of resources that we have and that our uh that our donors have and that they you know that we have to work with and that's different from other institutions and i think that's that's where the inequity comes in uh so i I don't know how you would work that i mean i think that's a great idea um you know i don't it would not shock me if sometime in the next five years, the student athletes uh, become an employee. And uh, I think that there's, there's a possibility of that happening. And then that creates a whole new, you know, deal with, you know, it becoming basically semi-pro football. And so I don't know. All I know is right now it's, it's a little bit of a mess. Uh, so again, I try to, I try to focus on our kids uh, and we have a great bunch of kids, and I really enjoy them a lot. And I just try to focus on that stuff and try not to get too caught up and let other stuff bog me down. Right, just focus on trying to beat Michigan. Right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, easy, easy enough. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, we can get to that here in a minute. So, <laughs> yeah, so, no, no doubt. Yeah, easy um, little warm up right there. Yeah, yeah, T- tough game against <clears throat> somebody who may be ranked number one or number two nationally preseason. <laughs> but uh, we'll get into the schedule. I want to talk uh, some of the roster, some yeah. of the, the key points later on in the show. Um, while we're on the topic of NIL, Team Boneyard has done, a, I think, a phenomenal job of no backing ECU student-athletes. I know no you doubt. guys, as coaches, can't be specifically involved in it, but it has to help. So what difference have you seen that make? Well, it's, it's made a, a tremendous impact with our student-athletes from a standpoint of, number one, just them feeling like people care about their their lives. And when I say that, I can give you specific examples of what I mean that maybe the the common fan doesn't realize. And I was talking to someone off air before we came in here. So, you know, the student athletes, um, you know, throughout the year, their scholarship check covers certain things. Well, one thing is a kid living off campus, you know, they have a rent portion of their check. And their rent portion is, you know, about $500, um, you know, 
find me an apartment somewhere in Greenville for $500. And so now during the year, they are getting a cost of attendance check from their scholarship. So during the year, they make it work. Uh, But in the summer, they don't. Now, our kids are here all summer. So in the past summers, it's always been an issue where our kids have struggled to pay their rent. Their kids have struggled to be able to have enough to eat. Um, Now, all of a sudden, you know, with the ones that are getting, you know, NIL money from the collective, uh, they've relieved a lot of that pressure. And that's that's just a huge burden off of the student athletes. Um, You know, it's uh, my goal would be that all of our kids had some something uh, and at least enough to help with that burden. Uh, that's my goal eventually, but I'm certainly grateful for everything that's been done so far, and I know our kids are. I know we talked earlier, I think it may have been prior to spring ball or even at the conclusion of last season, but we talked about other teams in ECU's conference like Tulane, UTSA, some of those programs who have heavily invested. Even Charlotte has heavily yep. invested in NIO, and I don't think people realize that necessarily. So do you feel like you guys or, or the, the donors have at least caught up some of that, uh, maybe some of the the difference, the gap and the difference that you guys were dealing with compared to the rest of the conference? Well, I think we've got a great start. Mm. And I think that's, I think that's the way I would phrase it. Um, you know, I think that it's, it's something that we all have to decide just what we want East Carolina university athletics to be. And in particular, what we want East Carolina football to be, uh, because, you know, so many of our peer institutions in the American and, um, other, you know, whether it's Sunbelt, other schools like that in our region are full throttle with this. And, and certainly we are fortunate to have, um, you know, some, some donors who are, they are full throttle with this, but, you know, they can't do it alone. And if I, I would love if Pirate Nation would come together and if everybody did just a little bit, it, it would make a huge impact because we do have such a passionate fan base. And obviously the, the fans have to find that difference or, or- figure out the, the scenario of, hey, do I give to the indoor practice facility? Do I give to NIL? So I know that's something I even fans have messaged me about, right. which is, uh, you know, there's a balance there. Speaking of the uh, indoor practice facility and big, big donation the other Huge. day, $5 million from the Isley family. So are, are we close to breaking ground on this thing? <laughs> I think that's a great question for our administration. Yeah, yeah we're getting close. Um, Van and Jennifer uh, have known them for you know a couple of years now, and have gotten to be pretty close with Van. And so I called him when I got the news, I guess you know about a week and a half ago, uh, that their family was making this uh, contribution. And I told him just one how grateful I was for his uh, his contribution, but you know two just you know I just have so much respect for him as a person. Uh, I just I'm excited that that's the name that's going to be on the side of the building. And that's and I and I just I want him to know that just because I I have enjoyed getting to know him and he's he's just a, a he's a good man he's a loyal pirate uh, he's passionate about East Carolina University he's done some things in the academic uh, you know the academic side of campus uh, with some donations there that have been significant and have been impactful uh, with the business school so um, it's just uh, it's a it's a great next step for uh, our university and I look forward to getting that uh, facility off the ground. Yeah, we're having Ryan Robinson from the Pirate Club on here shortly. So I'll be there sure to go. put some pressure on no him doubt. and uh, try to get that thing built. I need Van to rally a couple <laughs> of his close buddies. Right. I hope they're listening. They, they should know exactly who they are <laughs> uh, because they could get this thing done. There's no doubt. And it's something we've we've talked about from day one. I've talked about from, gosh, when Ruffin McNeil was here to Skip Holtz. And it's just it, it's crazy it's taking this long. But at least there is now. We can see the daylights. Right. Uh, 
coming. We can see the facility no coming. And, you know, from a practical standpoint, how often, let's say through spring practice, maybe even through summer workouts in the season, how often do you feel like you guys would utilize that facility? Well, I, I can promise you several times this spring it would have been used for practice. It would be used the entire month of June. You know, we've got – we're going to have – Two, three thousand prospects on camp in uh, on campus in June for our prospect camps. Uh, we had one last year. We had a lightning delay, and we had you know four hundred kids and parents there, and we're trying to stuff them underneath the stadium to get them out of you know out of the lightning. Uh, nothing screams you don't have an indoor facility like something like that, and it had a it had a negative impact on that day and on those recruits. So you would use it the entire month of June. Um, you would use it all throughout, you know, the fall. Uh, I've said, you know, preseason camp, you know, you know, the heat that the players are in during preseason camp. Um, yeah, you, you got to practice in it because that acclimates us. Yeah, fantastic. Um, but, you know, like our walkthroughs uh, in the, you know, late afternoon, we're doing those outside. Uh, and that just, you know, that's, that's you know, toughen up, you know, that, you know that's fine, but I mean, they're they're out there in that sun for a you know, full month, and so if you could get them out of the sun in the evenings, uh, you have a lightning storm pop up anytime you use it. So during the season, you know our, our practice times are set; you can't change them. So you know you have you know weather then you can't get a practice in; you've lost it, and that that happened last year. You would use it year round for a lot of stuff, and that's just football. Uh, now you're going to have other sports that are going to use it also. I promise you, baseball would use it. I can promise you, softball would use it. Soccer would use it. Lacrosse would use it. It would be a facility that would be a great asset for our entire athletic department. Yeah, I don't think people understand Eastern North Carolina. Those thunderstorms in August they can pop up whenever, uh, and you know we see it in July during regionals when ECU is right. hosting. So. It's just, it would be such a, it would take the burden maybe off you guys as far as trying to figure out the scheduling. So hopefully that can be done sooner than later. Well, coach, year five for you, and this is the longest, uh, you're the third longest tenure coach in the American (laughs) behind Willie Fritz and the Rice head coach. So do you feel like, uh, I don't know, you feel like things are are getting comfortable here? I mean, you've been here a while now. Well, I I feel like we've, uh, we've unpacked all the boxes. Right. Uh, the, the, the kids are, are pretty, uh, you know, they're pretty entrenched in the community with youth league sports. I mean, we've, we've gotten to know a lot of people in the community, <laughs> yeah. at ballparks and, 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 and gyms and stuff like that. And, you know, Amanda has a, a several strong little friend groups and, uh, you know, workout group or Bible study group or whatever. So I feel like our family is, is very, um, grounded here in Greenville, North Carolina and very happy. Uh, so I think that's, that's where it starts is at home. Um, you know, I think professionally, uh, I'm pleased with where the program is. Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, content with staying right where we are. You know, we want to continue to push the envelope and, uh, you know, ascend upward. Uh, and I think that uh, there's no reason to think that we're not going to do that. Uh, I think we got to continue to invest to do that. But I'm, I'm excited about where our program is. Uh, again, you know, with the program, it starts in the locker room. I really enjoyed the spring. I just enjoyed every practice day. I enjoy, you know, being around the players. They're just, they're, there's just such a positive vibe within, uh, you know, our, our, our roster, and they'll they will tell you that, and uh, they enjoy each other, and so I think it's, uh, you know, just a it's it's a very positive uh, place right now. You mentioned, you know, you guys have definitely turned the program around. When you got here, it had been 
a, a long time since ECU even had a winning season, even sniffed the winning season, and uh, seven years between bowl bursts from 2014 to 2021. But there were some tough times early in your tenure where I, I don't know if I've ever seen a, a coach or a coaching staff lose some of the more uh, lose in the brutal fashion you guys did. Uh, you know, you can count the oh. South Carolina game, the Tulsa game. Y'all had some just, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Y'all had some excruciating losses. So I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but like, was there a time where it just uh, it felt like, man, we're doing everything right. When is it finally going to turn in our direction? Because y'all were right there on so many occasions right. until it finally did turn. Well, I think 2019, you know, was you were you were just you're trying to be competitive and and you weren't very. Uh, I think 2020 when we finally finally started turning the corner and being competitive in league games, uh, you know, those close losses really hurt. It's just, but I can just remember those two years just trying to keep my head down and just keep keep working. You know, keep trying to you know accountability and and pushing forward and and the thing that kept me going was I knew that young class that we signed uh, in the 2019-2020 uh, you know, signing cycle, uh, that we had some ability in that cycle. I knew we had to grow them up. And uh, you know, so you knew you were going to get better as you got older. Uh, and that's what's happened is we've been able to have some stability with that group and the, and the groups after that uh, and been able to grow them. And so now you're looking up, and I talked to a bunch of the D linemen about this uh, last week that uh, you know all those guys played that, that that 2020 season as true freshmen and now you know they're they're veteran guys with a couple of years of eligibility left uh, but they're that that group is kind of the core uh, foundation of our program right now but uh, yeah it was tough at times I mean it was my wife can tell you it was there was some dark days but uh, the Tulsa game do you still have nightmares about it in 2020 yeah <laughs> the American Conference still owes me a win they do. They do. They. they. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is that you know, the that would have given us a winning record that right. year in league play, and you know the kids, you know that would have given them so much because they were searching for the same things I was. You know, hey, we're doing things right. Why are we not winning these games? And you know, to have one, you know, taken away, it felt like multiple times from you there late. It robbed, especially the group that were seniors that year, it mm -hmm. robbed them of that taking that next step before the SMU game that year. Because I think the SMU game was that first step towards where we are today. For sure. That was, you know, the ascension point. Even beating Temple on the road, that game, like, it wasn't going to get played. And then, like, <laughs> I felt like in, in my mind, I'm like, ECU needs to play this game. They need this win for confidence and morale. They got it. And then you guys come home and put a whooping on a good SMU team. So, uh, it's been definitely positive since then, and yeah. um, you know, you, you, even zero two the next year with the South Carolina yeah. game and that Marshall game. Oh yeah, y'all were trailing by three scores and come back and win there. And then really since then it's been ascension. So that was a huge turning point as well. I still remember the second half of that game. Mm -hmm. You know, in the, you know, the, I think right before the half it was the touchdown. Uh, maybe Shane Calhoun had yep. the big catch right there, uh, and then uh, you know the onside kick. Uh, That's right. That we recovered, and then uh, you know Rajay's go ahead, go ahead touchdown before J Max game sealing interception, and you know you feel like you you lived all your lives there in that, uh, that second half. You always make it as dramatic as possible. That's yeah. for sure. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're going to dive into the 2023 roster and also some of the challenges you guys have been through this offseason with, with coaching changes, guys leaving at somewhat inopportune times. So we'll be right back on the Hoist the Color Show. 
climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Armageddon! Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into Hoist the Colors. We've got East Carolina head coach Mike Houston alongside. We talked big picture stuff earlier, coach, so let's get into some of the team detail and also uh, transfer portal, you guys, obviously the window is closed now, but you guys are still searching for some some potential late additions. And I know we've touched on this briefly in other interviews, but any specific areas that you guys are still looking to shore up as far as the 2023 roster? Well, I think that, you know, we're, we're looking very specifics right now. You know, we're looking for uh, an offensive lineman, which we feel like we found that. Uh, we're looking for a receiver which, you know, we have, you know, a couple of strong candidates there. We're looking for, you know, a, a DB, uh, which we've got several strong candidates there. Uh, and so you're just – you're looking for just a piece here, a piece there to add to your roster. And uh, you know, so it's, it's really, you know, we're bringing guys in. We're kind of just – the big thing for me is just making sure they fit personality, uh, you know, with, you know, our team and that there would be a positive in the locker room. Um, there's lots of guys that can play. And so I think that that's, uh, you know, that's kind of where we are right now with that stuff. Y'all did such a good job last year of identifying the right transfers, not only in terms of can they play, but are they going to fit? I mean, you look at last year, Chance Bates, Isaiah Winstead, a pre-Washington played well, you know, before he got injured, uh, Justin Red. I'm sure I'm leaving somebody else uh, as well, but it just seemed like every- Chandra Mims. Yeah, Chandra Mims was, was great. <clears throat> it seemed like everybody y'all brought in acclimated well fit well produced so what is the magic formula there because there have been you know coaches at other institutions that try to rely on the transfer portal and it doesn't work out as well well i don't know i mean it's you know previously i would have told you that you'd you'd bat about 500 on transfers you know you'd have one that would work out and one that wouldn't um you know i think that yeah we we did pretty well with it last year I think the big thing for me continues to be just trying to get to know them as young men and just making sure they're the kind of young man that would be successful in our program. Uh, and, you know, the, it's, you know, this is a, we're a blue collar, you know, work ethic. Everybody carries their own weight. Uh, you know, nobody's bigger than the team. You know, that's just kind of our culture and that's the way the, the players are. You know, they expect everybody to, uh, you know, pull their own weight and to be a great teammate. And when you have somebody that's not willing to do that or, you know, not willing to work, it just really they don't fit with the rest of the roster. Uh, and I just – so that's, big, that's my big focus, just making sure they fit. And you've said it before, but a guy sticks out like a sore thumb if they're not yeah. fitting that culture. And you can even go out to practice, and there's not but maybe one or two players. And if they're not hustling like everybody else, or it, they, you can just see it. And right. as even somebody who covers the team – not that I'm going to wish anybody to leave, but no. it's almost like you can kind of see, hey, this guy maybe isn't, you know, cut out to play for your program. Right, and it's you know, it's and you want them to, hey, you want them to kind of acclimate to everybody else and get on board. Uh, but if if they're not going to, they're probably not going to last. And uh, and it's you know, and our our players are, and that's the the great thing about having you know the some of the leadership that we have now is our players expect that of them, and and they will you know demand that of them the same as the coaches do and so um i think it's just it's, it's the way i want it it's the way i like to have it you know that that way it's to me that's the right kind of mixture uh and kind of the way you want with this competitive game um so uh that's 
that's that's just kind of how it works with us. Quarterback wise, it was a I think a great spring for you guys yeah. in terms of I look at it as you you have two guys you can win with with Mason right. Garcia, Alex Flynn, and Raheem Jeter, a young freshman right. who's still learning learning his uh, his role, the, learning the offense, learning how to be a college student. Right. Uh, what was your assessment of that position? I, I know going into spring, it was almost like, hey, Mason, maybe he's the starter. Do you feel like it's it's a, it's just true competition at this point? Well, I think at this point, I feel like we can win with both of them. And uh, I think that it's uh, it's going to be a competition. Um, I would expect both of them to play. Uh, now, I think that uh, maybe one wins the job out, um, I don't know, but you know, it, it, they're going to decide that. Uh, but uh, I feel very good about both of them going into the season. Uh, I think you can win with both of them, and uh, I think Raheem. Uh, yeah, I want him to have a great summer. Uh, you know, I'll be able to announce here in you know the next few days or so that uh, we've we've added a uh, an analyst, uh, offensive analyst who has a a heavy heavy background in developing quarterbacks. Uh, has been a coordinator, has been a head coach, uh, you know, has a great offensive mind. So uh, that's going to be someone to help Donnie. Um, and uh, I just, I really want Raheem to have a great summer also. Uh, I think that's really the key for all three of them going into fall camp. Mason and Alex are so different they as are. far as skill sets. So does that create challenges in terms of maybe trying to, I don't know, build the offense around them or build certain things around them? Well, I think you have to, whatever you do with each of them, you got to, you know, do it you know suited to their abilities and their talents and and they are you know they are different um but i think we can make it work uh you know it's you know you have mason has just just such raw ability uh and you know his ability to run the football his ability to throw the ball vertically um you know just his, his frame uh you know there's so many strengths there you know alex uh, is you know a lot like Holton. You know he's not quite as big as Holton, but he's a lot like Holton in that you know he is a a smooth operator, can get the ball out of his hand fast. You know makes really really good decisions pre-snap, uh, can get you in and out of things. Uh, so I think you can you can do a lot of different things with both kids. And uh, I think the the key this summer is not asking somebody to do something that they're not built to do, uh, but rather you know, building our offense around the strengths of not only those two players, but the players around them. Holden Aylers is so interesting to me because at the start of his career, he was almost like a true dual threat. And by the time he was done with you guys, he was more of a, like a pocket passer. I mean, he did run, he could run, but right. Mason to me, like when I see him, it seems like he's such a true dual threat. So if he ends up being the full-time starter, like what what does that allow, you know, without getting into the minutiae maybe, but what does that allow the offense to do? And, and what differences does that create for the defense in terms of prep well i think that you know when you have a true dual threat guy the defense has to account for the 11th man in the run game and that's you know that's what you you most offenses you don't have to defend that way and and when you do uh it really puts stress on the defense both in the run game but also in the play action pass game so I think that uh, you know his ability to, to run the football effectively, in addition to a an extremely strong running back room, uh, could really give us some ability not only to run the football but to throw the football. You guys, I think in an ideal world, would like to add a fourth scholarship quarterback. Yeah, just for preparation. Injuries <laughs> happen. Do you I feel know. like that's a a possibility? I don't know. Everybody knows who we got. Yeah. That's the thing. Uh, and and again, last. 
uh, it goes into it and, and that's why i was kind of getting at a while ago when i said sometimes maybe we're our, our honesty and being straightforward hurts us uh but you know me saying that i am very happy with both those quarterbacks you know because every every quarterback and there's not a ton out there that are good enough um you know their concern is can they come in and win the job um and it's i'm not going to promise anybody anything at any position other than the opportunity to compete and that's uh, that's all mason and alex have been promised the opportunity to compete uh kind of competition makes you better and i think that anytime you go and you anoint someone without them competing you're setting yourself up for issues uh so i don't know i i'd like to have a fourth quarterback uh we also we love our our 24 uh quarterbacks on our, our recruiting board that are high school kids you could take two in next year's class um so it's something we are talking about and looking at every single day uh, but at least at least you feel really good about the two guys that you have right now and you feel really good about the third who's just just really young would you guys let's say y'all don't add a, a fourth do you have to prepare like an emergency quarterback or even go down yeah. that path yeah i think you yeah. got to yeah i mean and we have we have guys on our roster that have played quarterback and i i think you got to prepare for that worst case scenario uh, we do have two, you know, quality walk-on quarterbacks right. coming in, so it's not like we won't have other quarterbacks on our roster. Gotcha. Um, but uh, you know, they'll be true freshmen also. Hey, Josiah Hatfield used to be a pretty good <laughs> high school quarterback, so he can throw it. I know <laughs> that. We, we we we've seen that before. All right. Well, you never know. Uh, maybe maybe that'll come into play. Uh, hopefully not for injury wise, right. but maybe in in some special situations. Running back wise, when I looked at the spring. Marlon Gunn, he just looked like a different different animal at times. I know y'all feel really good about that room overall. Yeah. But uh, sophomore year, it seems like he's taken taken another step. Well, you know, he, he had some success last year as a freshman. He was also frustrated at uh, getting banged up some throughout the year, which that's understandable. I mean, it's the college football game is just so physical. Uh, it's when you come in as a freshman, you're not prepared for it. And so he was very deliberate this uh, this off season. He wanted to, you know, put on some muscle, uh, you know, shoulders, hips, legs, uh, to really prepare himself to be able to carry the the ball a lot and to be able to, you know, not just take the hits but also be able to run with power. Uh, and I think he put that on display all throughout the spring. You know, it, when our inside run drill in spring is a high high physicality drill. And you, he he attacked that drill with with a focus and an intent, and uh, you could really see it every time he carried the football. Rajay Harris coming off the torn ACL, and we had a chance to talk to him during the spring, which was yep. which was awesome. How is he continuing to come along, and do y'all expect him to be full go by August camp? Yeah, he'll be full go by August. Um, he's uh, you know, his his rehab has been really really good. Uh, I think that he's he's just itching to be released uh, fully. Uh, but you know, my my big focus with him has been trying to, you know, keep him you know engaged uh, mentally in a positive place mentally. And I think he's kind of over that hump, uh, and he he sees the light at the end of the tunnel with his rehab. Uh, so it'll be sometime in June that he'll be cleared to you know do everything full. Uh, so it really, then it just becomes getting his confidence back. Receiver-wise, I thought several guys took a step forward in the spring, but it it seems like y'all, y'all still want to add maybe a bigger body out wide via the portal. You kind of mentioned it. Is that the biggest goal at this point in terms of adding somebody? Do you feel pretty good about that room otherwise? Well, I, f- I feel good about the guys we have. 
uh, I think you're right. We we just we we need to add a big X uh, receiver. Um, I would like for it to come internally if it could, but uh, uh, you know it's we haven't seen that this spring. Uh, so we do have two scholarships that are allotted for that room that, uh, uh, that we're using right now to look for somebody uh, to come in. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've got uh, some other options that are coming in already from our signing class. So uh, that, is, that is something that we still got to solidify going into the uh, fall. And for the offensive staff for the spring, uh, it had to be extremely challenging for, for Donnie. I mean, it seemed like once spring ball got going, Latrell Scott, the tight ends coach, left, and Chris Foster left at the first day of spring, right? Right. And so you're having to hire those guys. Donnie's trying to figure it out on the fly. Uh, y'all end up bringing in Dyrell Roberts for outside receivers. Uh, Aaron Auer is the tight ends coach. And then y'all move Raekwon Boyette from outside receivers to running backs. So how do you feel like that challenge was met maybe by your staff? Because it's not ideal when I'm sure it was kind of uh, flying by the seat of your pants for a little bit it wasn't ideal uh it's never ideal but that was that was i've lost guys during spring before but to lose two uh you know as you're starting was was a challenge uh but i am excited about the way our entire staff and really the way our players responded uh i thought we had a very positive spring so everybody pitching in and kind of doing their piece was uh was was crucial to that um you know if if we continue to have success uh, you're going to continue to have you know things like that happen, and uh, so I think we all would prefer uh, that as to the other the other side. Uh, but uh, you know I feel good about our staff right now as we come out of spring. Uh, Raekwon is is at his more natural position with the running backs, and so he's really excited, and really happy. Uh, Darrell, now he is a ball of energy uh, in every aspect. So you know he will bring just a huge you know just energy fundamentals technique uh you know a lot to that group um aaron is a really good football coach he's going to be a really good football coach he's he's got a bright future ahead of him and uh the players already respect him uh, he'll bring a lot to our to our offensive staff uh, immediately defensively personnel wise where do you feel like you guys are are the strongest and I, I may know the answer to this just from your past interviews but for the audience where do you feel good about and where do you want to see that growth continue defensively well I think we all feel good about the D-line linebackers I mean I think that you have so many veteran guys that have played so many snaps and that are proven and reliable uh, I think you feel really, really good about that. Um, I think with the depth we have there and, and some of the n- new long bodies, you're going to be able to you know, play some different people, some different places, and maybe generate some different looks uh, against the pass and uh, getting some pressure on the quarterback. Um, you have two veteran safeties uh, that uh, you know, are very, very solid. You have some solid guys behind them, so I think you feel good there. Uh, Siobhan Ravel, I feel could not feel more excited about him at that corner i think we've got to figure out who the other corner is i think ibm had a solid spring uh, i think we've got to have some more guys step up in that room and come along in that room uh, so i think it's overall defensively i feel uh, better today than i did this time last year i think you're continuing to see uh you know longer faster you know stronger uh, as as these guys get older, and you add some uh, some really you know some talented uh, lengthy guys to that room. 
And lastly, special teams wise, when you look at this this team, and it, it seemed from my vantage point, being out of practice, y'all had a great spring kicking the football. Right. Owen Daffer moving on via the transfer portal. Uh, had success here, but maybe other guys had surpassed him by the time he, he chose to make that decision. You feel better about the, the kicking situation as of now going into the, the summer? I do. I mean, I feel good about the guys that we had this spring uh, competing. Uh, I thought we had a couple of guys that had really strong springs. We have an addition coming in here, uh, first session of summer school that uh, is a proven guy. So I think you have great competition this summer. Uh, so you should uh, come out of that with a very solid place kicker and a very solid kickoff specialist. Um, you know, at, at Owen Daffer's one of my favorite kids that I've ever coached, and uh, you know that was a tough conversation when uh, you know he and I and he and I have great conversations, and he and I sit in a a great place today, and I just want to see him in a positive place and happy, and uh, you know just I want to see him almost just kind of reborn. Uh, and so just wish him the best of luck. Yeah, tough situation last yep. year from Owen, who had a tremendous 2021 season and helped ECU win a lot of football games. No so, doubt. He's an important part of Pirate history. Definitely. So best of luck to Owen. Let's take our, qu- our final break. We'll be back with a quick segment to wrap up our program. You are listening to Hoist the Colors. Here there be pirates. Back to hoist the colors with Stephen Igo. How good is this? On 94.3, the game. All right, welcome back into hoist the colors. Head coach Mike Houston alongside as we wrap up the show. Coach, how much Michigan prep have you done? We haven't started yet. Uh, I mean, I've, obviously, I've, I've seen I've seen all the Michigan I ain't see already. It's going to be a challenge. Uh, we'll start in, in June, uh, and we'll spend a full week uh, on them. Uh, you know, their 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 roster is still solidifying, also, and so, uh, you know, it's you you're going to be playing a top five team in the country. Uh, I've I've seen a lot of stuff where they may be the most talented team in the country, uh, which is great. I mean, you're going to be playing the big house. Uh, I'm going to take the guys there uh, the day before, just to, you know, see the locker room, see the field kind of deal uh, before we get to game day. Uh, but it's going to be an exciting exciting opportunity for us, and the kids will be excited about it. I mean, they're, I can promise you this, they ain't going to back down. So uh, it should be a, a great contest. And it's no, no pressure is on East Carolina, for, at least from my vantage point. I mean, right. Michigan is going to be the favorite. They're going to be expected maybe to even be a national championship contender. Right. Uh, I feel like it is a situation where y'all can kind of go in, play loose, play easy. I know right. that's what you'll probably stress to the kids. Yeah, go, go play our freaking tails <laughs> off and have fun. You know, that's, that, that's, that's the way you go do it. And you know, I remember we played Florida State, and you know, they were ranked number one in the country uh, coming off the national championship back in like 2014 or 2013, something like that. Uh, and, you know, you just you go have fun and play. And it'll be an exciting environment for our players. Uh, but, you know, they're going to go up there with a great focus. You know, those, those older guys have been, been with us for a few years. You know, they're, they're going to go up there to win. Uh, so don't think it's just going to be all fun and games. I mean, they're going to go up there with the mindset of we're going to win that football game. So have at it. Challenging schedule overall, too. Yeah. I mean, you, you come back home, you have to face Marshall, which is always right. a really good team. Then go to App State, which is a yep. tremendous environment. So, you know, what's the balance like? You're probably excited about the challenges, but it's extremely challenging across the board. It is. I mean, it's a challenging non-conference schedule. It's a challenging conference schedule. 
um, you know, the Americans going to be very, very strong. Uh, you know, I, I would encourage our, our fans to, you know, really do research on the new teams coming in. Uh, you know, UTSA will probably be in the top 25 preseason. Um, and, you know, you have all the other, you know, solid teams in our conference and, and, you know, solid other teams coming in. So it's, it's going to be a challenging schedule next year, but that's, it was a challenging schedule last year. So it, uh, that, that part of it, you know, that's just part of being a pirate. So, you know, strap it up and let's go play. Well, coach, this was fun, man. I appreciate you coming yeah. in and, uh, being the, the first ever guests on hoist the colors and, you know, our relationship's been, been awesome since you got here. It's grown a lot. I appreciate you a lot. So thanks for coming. Sure out. thing. Well, I know this is going to be a, a, a fan favorite. I know. And so just honored to be on here for the first show. He is head coach, Mike Houston. I'm Steven Igo. That'll do it for hoist the colors. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 The Game.